Welcome to season four of the Florida Institute for Child Welfare podcast. I am Jessica Price, your host. I'm excited to introduce Dr. Elizabeth Winter, Executive Director of the Selfless Love Foundation. We will hear Dr. Winter talk with several youth who have lived experience and valuable perspectives. They will discuss topics that relate to gaining access and opportunities as youth in our child welfare system. Let's get started. Today, we are discussing Florida's independent living services, especially extended foster care, known as EFC, and post-secondary education supports and services, also known, aka, PASS program. I am joined by Carrie Flynn, Embrace Families Director of Youth Services, and DeMarco Mott, a young adult with lived experience in the foster care system out of the Miami area. And so as we kick off, I'm going to start with DeMarco, and DeMarco, can you share a little bit about your experience in the foster care system and just introduce yourself. Good afternoon. My name is DeMarco Mott, as Dr. Winter would have mentioned. I aged out of the system of care after about three years in. I was not adopted. I did age out. It was definitely an experience. I think um, we all have those different experiences. Thankfully, I didn't have to move too much. I only moved about once or twice, but I guess that's the gist of it. No, that's great. And Carrie, as we get into this discussion about Florida's Independent Living Services or IL services, we have lots of jargon in the child welfare system. Can you tell us a little bit about what those are and how youth can get involved in accessing those services when they age out of the system? So there's two different programs that youth can access when they turn 18 in foster care, EFC, which you referred to earlier, Extended Foster Care, and PESS. Both programs offer similar supports. There's several requirements that youth need to meet in order to be in either program. But extended foster care is a little bit more of a supportive service that's available to our youth. We recommend that you start with extended foster care and then graduate into the PEST program so that they can be more independent and go through whatever post-secondary program that they're planning on attending. That's great. I understand there's some eligibility requirements with both programs. Can you tell us a little bit about the eligibility requirements? Let's start with extended foster care or EFC, and then we can go into the PEST program. Sure. With extended foster care, a youth needs to be in the legal custody of the department when they turn 18. They have to attend high school, any kind of school, their GED, or even a post-secondary program. So they have to be in school, or they have to be employed at least 80 hours a month. If they are not able to do either of those, there is another category of eligibility, which is if they are not able to work because of a disability. So they can maintain on the extended foster care program for that reason as well. And then for PESS, youth need to have turned 18 in licensed foster care and have spent at least six months in foster care at some point. And I understand they need to be enrolled in school, but it's just nine credit hours, which is great to be eligible for that program, correct? Yes, nine credit hours or the equivalent if they're in a technical school. Fantastic. And DeMarco, I understand that you have participated in both the EFC and PEST programs. And can you share a little bit about what that experience was like, the lessons you learned, because I'm sure you did over that process? Sure. I guess we'll start with EFC, seeing that the term of it is extended foster care. But it's really more of a, it is, it gives you an independence, but it's more of you get to choose how that looks. I think for me, I did not want to leave my current placement, which was with my foster family. 
because I needed that support. And I think it helped because there wasn't, let's say, a cap on how much that can be paid because it was something that was ordered by the court, so to speak. There was a judge that was involved. I spoke my concerns. I told the judge that I would like to stay in that placement and they accepted me. They wanted me to stay. So I think that in itself was good for EFC because I also received a stipend to purchase miscellaneous stuff and everything else was paid. So it gives a lot of support. It gives a whole lot of support that isn't given on PassSide. PassSide received the check each month for $1,256. And that was it. I couldn't call in for anything. They weren't paying for books. There was no such thing as an emergency because they were not able to do anything else. And I must say with EFC, it gave me the support I needed to transition because turning 17 to 18, I mean, I knew nothing. I was still me, a child, being playful. Although I was in college, although I was getting an AA, I still needed that structure. I still needed that foundation around me. And EFC provided that additional support of family. And when an emergency happened, they're able to plug in that fund. Or I was still able to talk to my judge and say, hey, listen, I need this. And they were able to advocate on my behalf of the judge. But I would say... For me personally, that route for me was the best route because I think it provided me the ability to grow a little before I was able to fully leave. And the only reason why I left was because I received a scholarship at FIU to live on campus in the dorms. And at that time, the best option was PESS because I would have already been living on my own. I would have already had some other placement. And for the sake of not being approved in EFC to live in a dorm, PESS was the best option because it would have been too much battles to get it approved on the EFC to be in the dorm. And the other thing was, I think EFC ends at the age of 21 and PESS goes until the age of 23. So there was a transition there as well. But if there's any other questions, because I can go on all day about <laughs> EFC and PESS, I can say, you know, proudly I, I've received under both programs together, they've helped me obtain an associate's from Miami-Dade College, a bachelor's in English education from FIU, a master's in business administration, and now currently a master's in disaster preparedness and management. So all of those are tied through those programs, working in my favor, really. And I think I, I'm very appreciative of that. Well, DeMarco, those are a lot of degrees to have received, and you have not even hit 23 yet. So that's amazing. And it's amazing that Florida offers those opportunities to former foster youth. How incredible that is to not only complete one degree, but to complete several through the Independent Living Services. Carrie, can you share a little bit more about some of the things, if I'm a youth and I am leaving the system, some of the things that perhaps you've seen, some of the pitfalls, some of the do's and don'ts as youth enter these programs. And of course, you know, everyone gets excited when they hear PEST, you get $12.56 a month, but there's a lot more than just the cost, right? You know, going to school, you have books and you have living expenses. So you can just share a little bit about those do's and don'ts. That would be awesome. 
So one of the benefits that DeMarco was referencing earlier was the amount of degrees that he received while in the program. He was able to use a Florida tuition waiver, which is available to any of our youth that are in our programs, and that allows him to go to school for free. So he can use that as many times as he wants to get as many degrees as he wants up until age 28, which is awesome. There's a lot of information that youths can find on the Center for Child Welfare's website. It includes all of the requirements for EFC, for PES, contact information for all of the areas of the state. So you can find who they need to contact in order to apply for one of these programs or to see if they're eligible for one of these programs. Sometimes youth decide that they don't want to participate in any of the programs after they've been in foster care. So they'll go their own way, which is completely fine. They're able to apply a year later or a couple months later or however long it takes for them to decide that they want support. And they can come back and they can reach out to anybody in any of those agencies that are listed on the website, and they should be able to get whatever services that they need to help them. Great. And I know if they're listening and they have more questions, they can always reach out to their agency's independent living specialist. And also they can look at the Department of Children and Families Independent Living Services website to find out more about these programs. DeMarco, I'm going to turn back to you. Tell us a little bit more. It sounds like you're getting a lot of support through extended foster care, having a caseworker going to see the judge, and they're paying for your utilities and your housing. Once you start going to college and you're getting that $12.56 a month, I believe there's some other ways that can help you pay your cost. If you want to share that, I think the Pell Grant is available and just encouraging youth to complete their FAFSA. So um, DeMarco, if you'll share a little bit about that and some of the pitfalls (laughs) that some of the youth that are going to college might need to hear. Once you get into that realm of of college and university, I think we open up, there's many doors for us as youth that have aged out and were adopted. And one of those is the Pell Grant, which is something that's come from the federal government. It's FAFSA. When you go to school, they'll probably tell you about an orientation. Well, they should. And if they don't, you ask them. It's a grant that's offered to youths or or students that have an expected family contribution of a certain amount. Again, that's a bunch of jargon that they should explain to you in orientation. (laughs) But it's money. They give you this money to help you go to school. You already receive PESS, but this is an additional amount. And your tuition is already waived if you're using the tuition waiver from DCF. So meaning you don't have to pay tuition. So if they're giving you this money towards tuition, it goes directly to you for books and other things because PES is supposed to be for your living. It's not supposed to cover books and all those other things, but we use it for that if you're able to cover your rent and then books. But Pell Grant is ideally supposed to cover the books and other school expenses. Now, one of the things I would say about the Pell Grant, don't spend it unless you're sure you can pass all your classes, because the issue becomes if you end up failing your courses and you do not meet that 60% mark that they require for satisfactory academic progress, they will request that money back. And if you spent it, then you don't have it to pay it back. So the problem becomes you're not able to enroll for the next semester And this also affects your next check, the PES, because they would ask you for your new schedule. And if you can't produce it, then they will 
go ahead and terminate you or start the process to terminate you from the program. If you're not sure you're going to pass all your classes, books do not cost that much money. There's no way you say, I spend it all on books. You know, I've heard it all. Oh, I bought all the school supplies necessary. There's no way that you needed 2,000 something bucks in school supplies. So you have to be responsible with it. It's going to come, it's going to feel like something you can easily spend. I mean, I can tell you from my experience, I thought it was easy to spend because I spent it. But in other terms, some of the other pairs or some of youths like us, they weren't able to complete those courses. There's a lot of things that goes on in life that we don't take account for in the beginning. Some classes we can't pass. Some things come up and, you know, for me it was, wow, I'm actually now alone. I don't have my support system here. Well, I thought I was. I thought I couldn't call home. I thought I couldn't reach out. And that took a damper on, on my schooling, but I was able to get out of that mood and get it done. But a lot of things come up. And once you already spend that money, that's going to be a next headache because how are you going to get back past and how are you going to enroll for the next semester? And it brings to the next point. I don't believe that college is for everyone. I mean, mind you, I have many degrees, but I don't believe that college is for everyone. There is an option for technical programs. And I think that's something that we have to ask when you sit before your case manager for that transition planning, ask all those questions. College is not the only option that can qualify you for pass. And I think most times we think it's the easier one, but it's not. If you feel more comfortable going into a technical program, you feel that it helps you, then do that. Don't think that, oh, everyone's going to college, everyone's going on. Yeah, I mean, it takes us a while to go to college, get a degree, graduate, then we got to go find a job. But for the technical folks, you guys are like working right away. I want you to ask all the questions. Make sure you ask all the questions on everything that's there. So what I heard you saying was there's a lot of options for youth in these independent living services. So you have an option of working, you know, 80 hours a month, which is just 20 hours a week. You have an option of going to technical school. You have an option of going to college. And so you have a lot of options. What you're saying, I think I heard is ask, ask everyone, right? Ask for support, tell people what you need and be willing to listen and learn. Gary, I know that sometimes when youth are aging out and they hear the term extended foster care, which is our EFC program, some of them may think that that means they need to stay and live with their foster parents and many youth are aging out of group homes. What would you tell them about that extended foster care program? Because it definitely sounds to me like that's a great first step when you turn 18 with lots more support and then transitioning into the PEST program. So if you can share a little bit more about that. It would be fabulous if a youth stayed in their foster home when they turn 18 so they can finish out their school year or finish out whatever they're working on at that moment, but it's not required. Extended foster care has a lot of different placement options for youth that are turning 18 and a lot of different agencies across the state have been really creative with creating different options and different living arrangements for youth to move into out of the foster care system. So there's transitional homes, there's host homes, 
Some foster homes allow you to stay after 18. Some group homes will even allow you to stay after 18 for a little while. There's also supervised living arrangements. So you can move into someone else's home after they have completed a home study process to make sure that that's a safe living arrangement for you. So would I be able to have my own apartment in extended foster care? While it's not the best circumstance, it is possible. The best circumstance is to be able to live in a supportive environment where someone can help you learn life skills and learn how to pay bills and learn how to move forward in your adult life by attending school every day and learning how to cook and all of those different things that you need to know when you're just turning 18. That's great. So as we wrap up, DeMarco, what last pieces of advice would you give youth or child welfare professionals that are listening in? Would you give them about the independent living services? Well, first, I guess I'll start with the the professionals. Thank you all very much for what you do. I think it's, it's something that's very important. And the other thing is, I think it's best to not force what you think is best on us but make sure that you engage us and tell us to ask questions. Engage us so that we're able to tell you that we don't want to go to college and don't feel frightened by it, but give us that leverage to say, well, what do you want to do? And have us express to you what does that look like? Because it's hard. You know, it's hard to lose a family. For me as a foster youth, when I aged out, it was hard because I had professionals telling me, well, you know, that's the end of the relationship on your birthday. I felt like that's going to be it. But I have my family telling me, no, it's not going to be it. You're going to be right back here. So I think it's important for you all to remember that we are forming bonds and families outside of what the system dictates. And I think it's important to ask us that question because we can tell you. And sometimes we want to tell you, but it's hard because we're faced with answering all these questions that you ask, you know, answering all these things that you want and it it blindsides us. So I would say, thank you. I would say thank you all for what you do as system professionals and keeping that fire burning and guiding us. And to the youths, my brothers and sisters, I always call them, we don't know everything. I thought I did, you know, I'm the boss of knowing everything, but sometimes we need to take a breath and ask those questions, be open, be able to be vulnerable. Sometimes I think that's something that we've mastered going through the system of care, how to hold in, you know, how to bottle up what we really feel and not show that side, but this is your entire life. And I think you have to be able to direct it and then tell them what is it that you want? Express to them how you feel, let them know your path. Don't let anyone dictate to you what your path should be. It might even look different. And I think that's something that we're seeing is necessary now. And I would always tell each and every one of you that we don't know what tomorrow's going to be. You know, I thought I had it figured all out. I had a successful company back in the Bahamas that I developed at a very young age. And we were bringing in some good money. And we had a hurricane, Dorian. And it was the independent living services that really helped me. And I think that's something that I stand in awe at every single day, that it was still a service from the system of care that 
was a safety net. And I think that's an important thing that I'll always drive that I did it right. I did what's supposed to happen. I did everything by the book and a natural disaster happened. So we have to take advantage of services that we have because we don't know what's going to happen. And they're not going to be here forever. Like Dr. Winter said, I'm transitioning now into my 23rd and, and I think I'm fully ready. And it's going to happen again. You know, that's the life. But at this stage, we should not be worried about having to fail. This should be the part where we're running out there trying to do everything and see if it stick because we need to make sure we use our safety net now rather than waiting until we don't have that option of services anymore. And then we want to do all those stuff. So again, I would say to my brothers and sisters, be open, ask the tough questions, ask all the questions, take advantage. You know, some people say, oh, you guys feel entitled. No, don't worry about that. Delete all that stuff. Take advantage of what you can take advantage of. Use it, utilize it as much as you can. Set yourself up and make sure that I can hear from you in the future that you heard this podcast and you did what you're supposed to do. And now we can party together in the future. Thank you all very much. Thank you, DeMarco. And you definitely have taken advantage of the services and set yourself up for success in the future, which is incredible. Last question, Carrie. One thing I think DeMarco really hit on is that these are services, right? Not just financial assistance. And so as we close out, if you'll just share a little bit more about like what do those services entail? And then one last time, tell youth or child welfare professionals where they should go if they need more information. Yes, all of the youth services, all of the independent living services that are available are services too. There's definitely a financial component, which I know a lot of youth hear, and that's the thing that they focus on. But all of these services have case managers assigned, and there's requirements for contact, and there's requirements to help guide youth in their decisions that they make. This is their adult lives that we're helping to create and set up for them. So we want to be as helpful as possible and to share our wisdom with them from what we've learned across the years. Again, you can visit the Center for Child Welfare. That website has all of the resources and all of the different forms and and contact information that you'll need to access any of these services or supports. That's fantastic. We are so fortunate to have had DeMarco here, not only with lived experience in the foster care system, but also a member of the Independent Living Services Advisory Council, which is a statewide council, and the chair of the Youth Advisory Council for Citrus, and very involved in One Voice Impact, I may add. And then really amazed to have what an expert Carrie Flynn is in this population. She's worked in youth services for, I think, most of her career and loves this population. One last thing, if anyone has any questions and has difficulty finding answers, you can always contact us at the Selfless Love Foundation. Our number is 954 954- I'll repeat that again, 954-372-7760. Thank you so much, DeMarco and Carrie. And for everyone listening as we close out today, just a reminder that this is a series of six podcasts by youth for youth. If you are a youth champion, please help us spread the message about getting former foster youth plugged into resources to assist them on their journey to adulthood. 
To learn more about One Voice Impact, that's impact with two A's, or to get involved in a local youth council, please reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram or email us at info at youthvoicenation.org. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day.